Welcome to the Italian Wine Podcast. I'm Cynthia Chaplin, and this is Voices. Every Wednesday, I will be sharing conversations with international wine industry professionals, discussing issues in diversity, equity, and inclusion through their personal experiences working in the field of wine. If you enjoy the show, please subscribe and rate our show wherever you get your pods. Welcome to Voices. I'm Cynthia Chaplin, and today I'm so excited to welcome Helen and Nicklin. She hails from the UK, and she's an award-winning freelance wine and spirits writer, a broadcaster, wine consultant, drinks influencer, and judge for various international wine and spirits awards. She's the co-producer and co-presenter of the fabulous The Three Drinkers series on Amazon Prime. And most recently, she penned an article in the Daily Mail that really grabbed a lot of attention uh, from women in the wine sector, taking a good hard look at the misogyny that is still blighting our industry. So welcome to the show. So, Helena, thank you for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very happy to be here. Huge pleasure. Well, before we get into sort of the nitty gritty that I'm looking forward to talking with you about, I just wanted to ask you, how did you get into wine? I mean, I know your background was originally studying to be an actress. What happened that took you away from acting and, and helped you get into the wine world? Well, I'm trying, what is the short answer to this question? Um, well, I was studying languages at university. So I studied French and Italian and I lived in Rome and I'd always wanted to be an actress, but I was told that it was just not a valid kind of career path. And so I was wondering what to do. But then I met a load of students from Oxford and Cambridge who were putting on a play in Rome. And, you know, I was studying at the university and they were working as assistants. And to cut a long story short, I did a play with them and then realised they were all... They were all auditioning for big London drama schools. And so I realised I could do that too. And... So I got home and I thought, I'm going to audition for drama school, but I need a job in the meantime. And I was quite lucky where I lived. There was a wine shop that was a French and Italian wine shop. And because I'd spent a year in Rome, basically having dinner parties, and that's how we learned Italian. Um, I thought that's a good way to do it. <laughs> it totally is. It's the only way to do it, I think. So I went and I said, I can speak French and Italian. Um, I quite like wine. Can I have a job, please? And that's the, that's the short answer. <laughs> Excellent. I love it. I love it. Nothing, nothing calculated, just okay, here I am. Yes, yes. And it, it worked. And I did both for a while. Um, the manager of the wine shop let me go to auditions. And but then eventually I had the crossroads moment, I had to make a choice between acting or wine. I chose wine, but then said that one day I would bring back the performance element to drinks and wine. And that's what I'm doing now. Yes. And we will, we will get to that because um, I love that aspect of your career. But I just I've always wondered how you got there. So <laughs> that's it's good to it's good to hear that it was a nice, natural choice, not something that uh, that was forced. Oh, gosh, no. <laughs> well, it, I mean, your your Amazon Prime series, The Three Drinkers, is absolutely one of my favorites. Uh, so first of all, I want to thank you for doing that. It's a great show, livens up my my evening every time I watch it. Fine. For those of you who don't watch it, you have to catch it. It's a great combo of travel and tasting and content and entertainment. What inspired the idea for the show? Well, being an actress and basically a massive show off, I wanted to, always wanted to make TV and bring my particular way of of explaining wine to people um, on screen because I do have quite a different way of educating when I run wine tastings. Basically, it's about I give personalities to great varieties and I dress up my dog in silly videos and things. It's quite the, the idea is that it's it, it's irreverent and it doesn't take itself too seriously. But you kind of learn through entertainment. And I wanted to make TV for drinks for such a long time. Pitching it out, nobody would 
take the idea wine is too niche they just kept saying wine and spirits drinks it's too niche which I don't believe at all I totally disagree with that yeah I know it's crazy and so then I thought well what if I tried to do it myself and then I found AD and Colin and Colin had some good contacts that said I think I know a way that we can do it and so we thought right stuff this let's try and do it ourselves if no one's going to give us a job we'll make it that's incredible and it it really is such a such a great show I mean, it it's not I wouldn't say irreverent because so much of of the content is quite you know informational yeah we're about to start filming series three which I can't believe seeing as we only launched series two um, on St Patrick's Day in March this year so it's come around very quickly. Wow, it's amazing. And it, and it is such an interesting format and you know, very interesting for people who aren't really in the wine and spirits business. It's very accessible. There's a lot of sort of, you know, takeaways from it. I, I think the show is wonderful. But how do you keep it so lively and fresh through all these seasons? I know you've changed from being the three drinkers to Colin is has exited and now you've got some new friends in there yes well I mean there have been a few changes basically the idea is that every time we do it we make it a bit better we were really feeling our way with scotch and I you you can see that it's a bit more like a pilot the first half of it anyway so we changed it up in series two by making it more about the country and trying to appeal to a wider audience through travel and food and tourism and then get them interested in drinks that like through the back door as it was as it were you know so it's the three drinkers in Ireland as opposed to Irish whiskey and we cover all drinks not just the whiskey in there and it's a bit more fun just because we're a bit more relaxed and yes you're right there was a big difference and we we like it because it means that it will always be fresh and that is the three drinkers concept now and while while Colin will always be the original third drinker the three drinkers now is is me and it's AD with a revolving roster of guests and that could be a different guest or two in every series and that goes across our our Amazon show, but also our podcast and also on our website with our articles as well. And it, it is so much fun. And it's, it, it does feel very inclusive and diverse um, with you all on the road and, and doing different things in different places. It's, it's a lot of fun. And I think it does play to your acting background as well. It's a, it's a good one to, to learn stuff, but to also enjoy. It doesn't feel like a lecture. <laughs> Well, thank you for saying that, because I I think the second series was quite a bit lighter than the first. You know, we had a a drag queen singing to us while we sat in barrels of seaweed. It was absolutely amazing. I love it. (laughs) And the series three will be slightly different again. We've got a slightly different format. And yeah, it should just be lots of fun, really. Education through the fun. Absolutely. And I like things like that where people are entertained, but also get a get a takeaway that's meaningful. And as you said, gets them into into wine and spirit through the back door, you know, instead of feeling like they're they're in a classroom. So it's it's accomplishing a lot of things, I think. But you know, we're we're having a good time laughing at the success of this show. But I know your your own wine career hasn't always been quite that easy. Um, the article that I mentioned when we first started talking this morning in the Daily Mail was just back in March, and it was called why the world of wine is full of chateau bottled sexists which was a great title it grabbed grabbed the attention for sure but the article was serious and ripped back the curtain on sort of this continuing problem of misogyny that women in our wine sector are battling against and 
in fact, you know, myself, I don't know any female colleagues who haven't got some sort of tale to tell about harassment and bullying and belittling. And you were incredibly open in your article about your experiences. What inspired you to speak so openly in such a public format? The Daily Mail has a huge readership. It does. Thank you. I can't take credit for the title. That was definitely a Daily Mail doing. But yes, I thought with something like this, you either go big or go home. And it came from the years of everything that I'd endured, but most importantly, what really inspired me just to do something about it was because of a couple of things that have happened in recent years. I seem to have become a sort of a mentor to some of these younger up-and-coming wine writers and influencers who, and a couple of them had some issues and they, they came to me and they shared some stories. And I thought, okay, well, I, I feel the need to do something about this now. And so I wrote it a lot for them as well, because I just felt I had to do something. And so I put the story out there and I was worried that my career would be over. When I saw it the next day, I actually asked to pull it because I just thought I cannot walk into a tasting now. I can't believe that you felt that way about it. It, it, it was, you know, it was quite a barrel article, but um, it was so powerful and so well done. My heart is breaking that you felt that way when you saw it the next day. I'm very glad I went went ahead with it, to be honest. In fact, I didn't really have a choice. It, would, it was already out there online, it turns out. But I am, I'm now, in hindsight, I am so glad because the amount of emails and messages and tweets, DMs, everything, I still haven't managed to reply to everything. And it's just, it's been women sharing stories and they're all saying the same thing. The more people talk about this, the less it's going to happen. So thank you. And so, yeah, I mean, and I just, I can't believe what, what people have been telling me about things that we've all put up with for years and it's like hang on oh my god we have to keep telling this story even if it sounds like it's the same story coming from different places because it's just constantly a reminder and I think the next step is there's I mean there and there is definitely a next step and next step is talking to the men and trying to empower them to become genuine allies telling them what that actually means Exactly. So the men themselves can call it out with other men because it's when a woman is on a press trip and she's the only female. I mean, A, that shouldn't be allowed. I don't know who is doing these trips these days, but it's still happening. You've got a big group of men who've been in the industry for years who start drinking at 6 a.m. and then they just are horrific. Even if like they're, they're nice people that you you see it tasting, suddenly there's a group of them and they become a bunch of animals. Yeah. And I and I think, you know, it's that old, you know, I, for want of a better word, that old boy school thing of, you know, what goes on the road stays on the road. And they lose all sense of, of boundary and sort of time and place and appropriateness. Absolutely. And they do each other on as well. I'm just, I'm glad, I'm glad that a lady who told me about one of her experiences recently had the wherewithal just to write down everything people were saying. Wow. Because they systematically went through just about every woman that has done anything of note in the wine trade and just ripped them to pieces. Wow, that is incredible. Uh, yeah, I'm just, I, I'm astounded. Um, well, I say that, but I'm not really astounded. That's the terrible thing about it. It's Yeah. It's you, you wrote in that article that being young and blonde in the wine industry certainly didn't help you. And, you know, we all know how often young women in our industry are just assumed to be the waitress or assumed to be, you know, the 
the pretty thing to look at in the room or, you know, totally lacking any kind of meaningful knowledge and experience. But I was really struck about what you wrote about men in the industry who you thought were your friends and then they subsequently attacked you like extremely viciously in print and online, really simply because you were succeeding. Uh, what happened? Yes. Well, I think there was one main thing that I think you're referring to was, um, sort of, I think it was at the end, end of 2019 in lockdown. Oh, no, it must have been 2020. Anyway, so a very, very well-known person in the wine trade who's been on TV a lot, who's been around for dinner, who, you know, I've had my dog sit on his lap, my husband cooked for him, we opened lots of nice wine, had a lovely time, known him for years. He started to write a series of missives that, um, I don't know if you've ever heard of Pop Bitch. Yes. But which is where this sort of sort of anonymous person takes a pop at some famous people. And it's just a load of bitchiness in the name of entertainment, basically. And everyone's allowed to do it because they don't have to sign it. Well, exactly. And also because these people are really famous, they seem to be untouchable. Anyway, this guy seemed to think it was a good idea to do that for the wine trade, but got it wrong. And while he is an excellent writer, you can't sort of doubt that. And if you weren't, and if you didn't know anyone involved, you might even find it quite amusing in places. It was actually full of defamation. I was told by three lawyers we could sue him because, because of the nature of my work and what I do. This is just me. And he, I mean, he hit so many people, but just because of the things he said, I knew that I wouldn't be able to do certain bits of work because of the friendship network that he had, because he's an older middle-class male who's been in the trade for years, who knows everybody. I, I knew that I'd lost credibility across the board just because of what he wrote. And that's just an outrage. That is just completely an outrage that people like that have power in their pen to take you down just so you know, on, on the basis of nothing, just jealousy. Well, I know. I mean, at least I've learned that it is, it is about jealousy, but that it didn't help very much at the time because it was so damaging, not just to me, but just everyone else that he, that he went for. And he always seemed to go for people who don't have an HR department, you know? And like the more of a competitor you were to him, the more he took you down. And he's a direct competitor to me because he makes TV shows about wine. And so it's in his interest for me to not succeed, which is what was, what was so painful about it as well. Thank you for listening to Italian Wine Podcast. We know there are many of you listening out there, so we just want to interrupt for a small ask. Italian Wine Podcast is in the running for an award, the best podcast listening platform through the Podcast Awards, The People's Choice. Listener nominations is from July 1st to the 31st, and we would really appreciate your vote. We are hoping our listeners will come through for us. So if you have a second and could do this small thing for us, just head to italianwinepodcast.com from July 1st to the 31st and click the link. We thank you and back to the show. Absolutely. I mean, it, you you have said you felt really forced out of the mainstream wine trade because of all of this, you know, terrible, inappropriate behavior and, and these public attacks by men in our industry. And it is it happened just last week as well, Cynthia, just last week. Again, no, not with this guy, but with someone else that he knows, someone that I've known for years, again, 
it was less about me this time and more about a couple of the of the other the other younger younger up and coming influences but it's like oh it's always the same thing it's men not understanding that in this day and age wine communication is not all about critic scores aimed at decanter readers and above and very very technical information it's across the board it's tapping into people who are just at the beginning of their wine journey and guess what instagram is a massive massive tool for that and women are particularly well suited to it because i I don't know why but just there are so many more women in wine on instagram because it works and because we know how to do it well and men just cannot seem to understand that and so they're always pitching like the the influencer or the the communicator to the visual communicator against the old stuffy wine critics when there's room for everyone it shouldn't be a fight but it's so divisive and that's what last week was about once again and it's so damaging as you say i i think there's a certain you know a certain group of people in the wine industry old middle-aged men who who don't understand how how marketing has changed how media has changed and communication has changed when you you said that you know, some of these attacks basically said the only reason you were successful is because you have a pair of breasts. And, you know, we all have had this sort of thing thrown at us. And I think these, as you said, young female influencers are getting even more backlash for this because they are successful and because they they know how to take a good photograph. They know how to frame a bottle of wine and a, and a glass full of wine and have everything look right. And it has nothing to do with uh, with their sexuality or their sexual orientation, but it has to do with the fact that they're young. They know how to work social media, and these older men feel threatened. I don't I don't know why, but it's quite clear that they do. I mean, that is what is coming across. Absolutely loud and clear. And I think the saddest thing about the most recent case was that the guy who wrote it is the editor of a wine magazine and he sits on the judging panel for the IWSC, a very prestigious wine competition, as you'll know. And of course, the amount of messages I've had about I am never, I'm not entering that ever because I know that I haven't got a hope in help because I'm a young female. And I'll be, and I will have my, I will have my application ripped to shreds in public, like he did with somebody, and then try to pretend it wasn't about her. It, it's just heartbreaking that uh, you know, young, talented, smart women are being intimidated out of working in wine, which should be, you know, the most inclusive place to work. Wine is for everyone. Uh, how how do we combat this? I mean, what what are next steps? You wrote, uh, you know, a very open, honest, and sort of barrel, find your name to it article. And of course, those of us in the industry, without having to name names, we know who you're talking about when you when you write. It's quite clear. So how do we combat this? What do we do to make this stop? How do we educate these men and how do we protect ourselves? Yeah, it's a very good question. And one thing that I'm asking myself a lot and and the other other women are that I know. I think one big thing is just to make sure that you've got a support network. I mean, since that article, I was asked to join a WhatsApp group, which has been amazing. It's called Wine Gurus. And it's a group of women. And what I'm seeing all the time is, is anyone else going to this tasting? Who's going, who's going here? So people know who's around. And it's, you know, it's not that it's dangerous, obviously, but it's, it's much easier to walk into a tasting when there's more than one of you. And so you know, you you feel empowered by more of you being there, of course. Absolutely. It's the old safety and numbers thing. That's, uh, there are still certain um, tastings and competitions that I feel very, uh, not unsafe, just uncomfortable at. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. That's it. And what I've also seen, which has been great, is because we've a, a good reason to have this chat 
this, this WhatsApp group is that people are throwing ideas around saying, do you know what, this, this happened at a tasting and it didn't sit well with me. I said this, do you think that's okay? Or, or they're in the tasting and they're like, this is happening. What, what, what shall I do? And it's just, and then you've got this sort of force, this female force at the end of a phone, just going, like giving advice and empowering the person at the end of it to actually say something and call people out on it, which I know is really hard if you're the only woman in the room, especially if you are a 20 something woman in a room full of 40, 50, 60 something men. Absolutely. But it, I mean, what a great thing to create, as you said, instantly accessible think tank to, to support women. That's a, that's a wonderful idea, I think, especially when it's in real time happening. And it can be, it's hard enough to call out, you know, at a tasting if you think the wine is off. <laughs> you know, when you think the behavior is off, it's even worse. Do you, what's so conflicting about it, though, is so often like the main perpetrators of all of this, when you see them, they are so charming and they're like almost coming across it like they're trying to help you. And then when you're not in the room, it's, you know, they, they completely take you down. So it's not as simple as them being rude to you sometimes in front of your face. So it's very hard to confront. Do you know what I mean? I, I completely do. And it comes in many forms. It's either, you know, the the sexual innuendos or the belittling of your knowledge and experience. Um, it, it does come in many forms. And, it, and sometimes you don't see it coming. Absolutely true. And the belittling of, well, making you think that you being, you're being offended is your problem and your fault. I think, I think that is, you've put your finger on something that is really a problem that's going to make this very difficult to solve because women do guilt extremely well. I think it's, it's a default position for a lot of us in a lot of cases. And maybe that was my fault. Maybe I shouldn't have you know, worn that dress or done that thing or whatever. We have to, we have to find a way to train women not to react that way. Uh, and as you say, to call out, no, I'm sorry, this is not my fault. This is your bad behavior. That's the trouble, isn't it? I mean, it's um, being labeled the troublemaker. And like the clever men, even if they don't know they're doing it, know how to use guilt as a weapon. Of course. And then that labeling, it does stick. And as you say, it can follow you through your career, damage your career, because they are um, all friendly, you know, Across the world, not just in the UK, across the world, they are all friends and they do all talk. It's very hard to, to combat that. Um, I, I, I know you've got a daughter. I have four daughters. What advice would you give young women wanting to get into the wine business now? You know, in light of all these things, what words of warning and wisdom, you know, what steps to take? How do female veterans stay positive and stay in the business that we love and support new women coming into the business? Uh, very good question. Very good question indeed. I think it's forewarned is forearmed. And it's not just wine, is it? It's, it's let's face it, it's most, I think we're quite far behind a lot of other industries. But yes, it, it's just it's just a warning that this this is for, for like millennia, not quite that long. But wine has been a male dominated space for so many years. We are still at the very start of just having women in it, meaning it's diverse, let alone any other kind of diversity. And so it's just, it's bearing that in mind and that there it's going to take a couple of generations to get it back onto an even keel. And I, I think it's just making sure that if you're joining the wine trade as a woman, you're, you're seeking out other women who are doing similar things to you and making sure that you have a support network there to bounce ideas off, to go to tastings with at the very beginning, you know, while you're, while you're learning 
you're learning the ropes essentially that's a really good point i think that is a great that is a great takeaway to you know encourage young women to form a network form a support group you know do you have people that you can travel with uh, attend events with that's a very that's a very good point there are lots of them around you see and that's it's but it's just finding them and then and being invited into them and just making sure you know who who those people are but i think once you're in one you'll uh, what what I've noticed is you you get invited into lots of other ones as well. There is no shortage of them anymore, which is great. They're just uh, none of them are as, as big as they could be. I mean, one one thing that would be amazing for the wine trade, but it's going to involve somebody with a lot of time <laughs> to make it happen. But I guess a woman could do that. Is building the equivalent of what the advertising industry have. They have something called the advertising industry has Wackle, and that's essentially women in advertising communications, and it's it's a huge support network and with very very senior women and they have fundraising events and they give talks and it is absolutely fantastic we don't really have a central organization like that in wine anywhere in the world as far as I can see and I think that would be the next step I'd happily help someone I was just gonna say I think I think we're onto something here I think I think we need wackle for wine yes yeah that's that is great. And I think it needs to be something that's not flying below the radar like Wackle is. It has a, you know, it has a big profile. People know about it. And I think um, in wine, you know, some of some of the support groups that we build for ourselves or that we find for ourselves in in wine with other women are kind of under the radar because we do feel intimidated. And I think getting getting that out there, Wackle for wine. I'm going to get that on a T-shirt. We want buckle for wine. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Right now, we want it now. What they do so well is they, because they, they, they have been so great. They started by building their female network and, and talking to each other, empowering each other. And then they invited in the men and they have been educating the men, you know, as honorary members. And the, all those men now, hopefully are true allies and they go off and they they hold each other to accounts and you know I'd love the wine trade to get to a place where we can do that that and I think that's the only way that change will ever really happen is if men begin holding other men accountable for their behavior that's a that's another exceptionally good point it is and I think it's probably as difficult for them to do as for women to call it out in a room full of men who you respect and potentially have control of your career you don't want to do that so educating them to do it is is exactly the right idea yes and also I think if it's just women we are in danger of becoming as cliquey as the men were in the first place so it has to be inclusive absolutely absolutely and we need their support and their insight I, I I always like to hear what my male colleagues say when something like that happens and some of them are quite insightful indeed and it would be useful as you say to start with the women and then invite the men in mm. I love that idea I love that idea well with that I, I will leave you uh, to get on with your day and I'm I'm so grateful for you coming on and talking about what is never an easy subject especially when you've been the victim of it um, and I'm so delighted that you got around it and and came up with the three drinkers as a way of sort of being inclusive, bringing yourself back to the forefront, not being shot down by these people and and being as successful as you are is is a great uh, role model in and of itself thank you very much indeed i wish you great success with series three looking forward to it thank you for your time today helen i really appreciate it it's been wonderful talking to you thank you for having me 
Thank you for listening, and remember to tune in next Wednesday when I'll be chatting with another fascinating guest. Italian Wine Podcast is among the leading wine podcasts in the world and the only one with a daily show. Tune in every day and discover all our different shows. You can find us at italianwinepodcast.com, SoundCloud, Spotify, Himalaya, or wherever you get your pods. guys, I'm Joy Livingston and I am the producer of the Italian Wine Podcast. Thank you for listening. We are the only wine podcast that has been doing a daily show since the pandemic began. This is a labor of love and we are committed to bringing you free content every day. Of course, this takes time and effort, not to mention the cost of equipment, production and editing. We would be grateful for your donations, suggestions, requests and ideas. For more information on how to get in touch, go to italianwinepodcast.com.